0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara.
2: Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best of your sports talk for Monday, July the 22nd. I'm your host, D.A. The Kansas City Chiefs will have Tyree Kill available at training camp when it opens. A decision made on Friday by the NFL. Not enough evidence in their mind to support the allegations that he caused any harm to his son. Although he did use threatening language at his girlfriend, the mother of his son. In the past, we've seen the NFL come down hard on players, even if the legal process didn't. So why didn't the NFL suspend Tyreek Hill? And because the wide receiver is going to be active for the Chiefs until further notice, does this make Kansas City one of the most hateable teams in the NFL? Are they now a villain? Here's Show and Vern on Kansas City's 610 Sports.
3: If it wasn't for Pat. I think the Chiefs are one of, if not the most hated team in the NFL this season. Really? Tyreek Hill, outside of, again, this bubble, outside of Chiefs Nation, Tyreek Hill will be... Now, you guys know where I stand on Tyreek. I'm glad that there wasn't... I don't believe that there should have been a suspension, so I'm happy with the result. But outside of this area... Many football fans and even average casual football fans, they don't know the details of the case like you and I do. They didn't listen to KCTV 5. They didn't listen to the full 11 half minutes. When they think of Tyreek Hill, they think of what they heard about this young man coming out of college and that he's caught up in it again and skated on it from the NFL. Outside of the Chiefs Nation, Tyreek Hill is a pariah. Tyreek Hill is someone that you boo mercilessly. I think he will be a villain when, obviously, he plays in the division. But every single road game this year, Tyreek Hill is enemy number one. And yet, I still don't think that that will affect the brand. Because normally, when you have someone that is widely hated or disliked by football fans, that team becomes the bad boys of the NFL or the team that we all agree. We don't want to see them win. We don't want to root them on. But Pat's greatness, this Elway-like ability that you just referred to, I think that supersedes whatever hatred others may have for Tyreek Hill, and the Chiefs will still, because of that explosive offense and all of those night games, I still think they will become one of the country's favorite NFL teams, despite having that pariah playing such an important role.
0: Now you, you all might disagree with me, and I and I'll let you all jump in on this. I, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't, and I've said this. I don't think Tyreek is as big of a big enough star that it matters, that it's that big to a lot of, a lot of fans around the country. Fine, I think they know But don't
3: them. you think? With the amount of attention this Chiefs team is going to get this year, the night games, the primetime games that they have, that he's going to be featured prominently in the game. He's going to be putting up numbers on a regular basis, which is going to cue and remind you of... Everything that's happened in his life, we'll see. We'll see how often they bring it up because I don't even mean them. I'm talking again, casual fans and and, see, and, and viewers and, when they hear the name Tyreek Hill, they'll think of Oklahoma State and they'll think of whatever this situation was because they don't know the nuance of it. They don't know the details. They weren't consumed with it like we were here in Kansas City.
0: But see, I don't think. See, I don't think people just know all of that with Tyreek. I don't think it's it's. He's not like Zeke. He's not like, and the Chiefs aren't a huge brand. Like, I think if the Chiefs were a bigger brand and he were a bigger player, if this were like Pat,
3: Pat is starting to but be known around. But don't you think around. Greg Hardy's name was known? He was not a star. He was nowhere near to. Yeah, but I don't think it picked up until he got to Dallas. Reuben Foster, another name that you might not a, think about it going in, but when the announcers say you're like, oh, I know that guy, and he's a scumbag.
0: I don't think it's going to be that big to people outside of here. I just don't think that the Chiefs are a big enough brand
3: yet.
2: We remember last year in Boston, in New England, when the Chiefs went up there to take on the Patriots and all the fans in the stands were irate at Tyreek Hill and were taunting him and cussing him out as he ran down the sidelines for the Chiefs. I would imagine some of that happens. You know why that happens? Obviously... A player that's associated with violence against children or women is going to be easily a villain and people will dislike him, but also because the Chiefs are good. And when the Chiefs are good they come into your house, it means it's a big game. And if the Chiefs are a Super Bowl contender, which they should be this year, it means when they come in, it's a really big game. And the Chiefs' dynamic offense combined with Tyree kills allegations and... Kansas City's huge expectations. Absolutely. The Chiefs are going to be one of those teams that opponents love to hate. Now, on the point of the NFL not suspending Tyreek Hill, here's ESPN the Magazine's Mina Kimes, who joined Bull and Fox on 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland, and she thinks the NFL should have done more. When you cover the NFL. I'm sure you have an opinion about this. What do you think about Tyreek Hill not being suspended at all?
4: I was surprised, guys. Um, I did not think it would be a long suspension uh, based on what I had read about the case. The fact that the police department there didn't uh, you know, have enough conclusive evidence made me think that the NFL, even though heaven knows that hasn't always stopped them, might not come down on him for that. But I thought because he was on tape making a threatening comment towards the mother of his children, who um you know he did plead guilty to abusing in 2014 there was a police report that outlines the physical evidence i thought because of that admission there would be some sort of suspension because the nfl has suspended players for doing that making threats in the past and there was nothing
3: do you think there's any concern from the nfl about its image when it comes to um suspensions for certain things and shorter suspensions for other things
4: I think there are concerns, but I, um, I think there should be, especially after, I mean, I, I, obviously there's total inconsistency and people criticize them a lot for that. I think it's mm-hmm. very, very hard to have like a strict standard on any of this um, because everything is case by case. Right. But for me, just looking at this particular case and the dynamics I described, especially the history, I think that they should have done more.
2: The biggest problem with the NFL is the inconsistency. It just feels like it depends on what side of the bed the NFL wakes up on on whether they are going to suspend or discipline players for domestic violence. I mean, it's not like the NFL hasn't done it before, where if a player did not get into actual legal trouble and be arrested or thrown into jail, or actually convicted by a court that they didn't do anything. This has happened before, but the NFL decided to, to take their hands off of this one. Same with Ezekiel Elliott in the offseason where they have suspended him before. So it just kind of makes you wonder what motivates the NFL because it seems to be never all that consistent. Adrian Peterson is 34 years old and will be the lead running back in Washington. How crazy is that? Now, they'll need some ground game because the Washington quarterback situation is iffy. They've got veteran Case Keenum there who has lost his job a couple times recently but also a youngster in Dwayne Haskins. Now, last year, he saw the worst of it. And AP weighs in on just how bad the quarterback situation was on 106.7 The Fan in D.C.
1: And there clearly were other opportunities for you this offseason. What was it about this Redskins group and the experience you had playing for this team that made you want to stay here for another couple of years?
5: Um, just the talent that I've seen. You know, throughout the year, um, you know, just the fight and the heart I've seen within the team as well. Because obviously, we dealt with a lot of adversity last year, and um, you know, though we started off strong, we didn't really finish as strong. You know, but we still, uh, we were still like two games out. You know, had, had we won that game, a close game in Tennessee, and um, you know, we would have set ourselves up for a, you know a game that could have put us in the playoffs uh, against Philly. Um, so you know, I thing about the injuries that we had on all this line was pretty much diminished um obviously, the quarterback situation was man, you know, hopefully no team ever has to go through that again, yeah, um, and then you know, just guys just continue to fight, you know that that's what impressed me the most, so you know when I really was thinking about it, I was just like, you know coming back to a great offensive line, um you know um quarterback situation, you know, got Case Keenum in, got the young rookie, and I'm looking forward to see what he's going to do during training camp as well, Um we, we get um, receiver Sims back, and, you know, Jay Reed um, out there as well, we we have some really young guys, Richardson is back as well, and then defensively, you know, defense really held 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 us up last year, and, um you know they're getting some guys back. That's going to be healthy, Dunbar. So and then that you know London Collins being added onto the defense. You know we we have a solid team. You know we have a really solid team. You know so when I just kind of was just weighing everything and evaluating everything, I knew it would be a good situation for me to come back for a second year and um, you know and and do and do this again with. This you know, with different results.
1: You had some comments, Adrian, about Case Keenum, and you sounded really bullish on playing with him and how the offense looks at him out at many camps when he's at the helm. I was hoping maybe you could drill down on that a little bit and talk a little bit about what you like about Keenum's game and how the Redskins' offense looks with him. And I guess the logical question would be, do you think that's the guy that should start a quarterback for the team this year?
5: You know, uh, he's a veteran guy, you know. He's a guy that's that's proven – um, that he can, you know, he can play the game. He can lead. He can lead the team as well, you know. But what what impressed me during mini camp was just his control, of course, um, you know, of the huddle and you know, just him communicating with the receivers and tight ends, and um, you know, and this is his arm. You know, he really showed through some some good balls and you know, uh, with, with great accuracy, accuracy as well. And um, you know he's he, he's one of those gunslingers, <laughs> you know. And um, I like I like players like that because if I was a quarterback, I, I, that's the style that I would play with. You know, a guy that you don't ever have to question his effort um, you know, or his play. You know, that's that that right there is a sign of a winner to me. You know, so that's what I like. That's what I like about him. You know, right now, definitely he definitely has the edge because of experience, without a doubt. And um, you know, so you know, I see him leading the, you know, leading going in right now. Um, but you know, we'll see. You never know. You know, the young guy. You know, I know he's hungry. He, I know he has a lot that that he's trying to prove as well. So training camp is going to be big for him to see how he digests everything. And um, how he's able to run run the offense, you know. So, you know, we'll see. You know, we got we got two um, talented quarterbacks, you know. So that's a good problem to have.
2: You know, Alex Smith goes down last year, and that was a gruesome injury. And then Colt McCoy goes down with an injury immediately after that, and Washington was just lost. And so when it comes to a Washington quarterback situation, there has just never been any consistency. There hasn't been consistency since Mark Rippon 26, 27 years ago. It's been such a long time. And they thought they had some guys, namely RG3, but that didn't pan out. And so they're back to spinning the wheel again. Veteran Case Keenum. They had Alex Smith. He gets injured. Now it's Dwayne Haskins. It's just anybody's guess On to baseball, Tim McCarver was born in Memphis, Tennessee, went on to a tremendous career with the San Louis Cardinals, which led him to an enormous career as a broadcaster as the number one lead analyst for Fox, calling World Series All-Star games and so many other huge games. He joined Jason and John at 92.9 in Memphis as he was inducted into the Memphis Sports Hall of Fame and talked about this huge rash of home run numbers skyrocketing.
1: You know, I, I'm curious on your take on this one, Tim. We're seeing the ball flying out. We're headed for records. I think uh, right now if we're staying on pace, it's a 1,000 more than we're hitting 2,000 to hide the steroid area and maybe 500 more than the record yep. a couple of years ago. In '98, we loved it, right? It
2: brought you know it brought the casual fan back, the home run. We we all loved it. We were all watching. You still feel the
5: same way, or you get a little sick of it?
6: Well, there's something something going on. Everybody 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 talks about the ball, and I'm a a proponent if that's the word a proponent of it not being the ball, but it being the bat. I I think the bat. Yeah, I do. Uh, I think the bats are uh, are there. There used to be in, indelible marks on the bats in the hitting in the hitting spot, and those those marks have been erased. And I think I think I've seen some of those bats, and I said, "Man, I, I think I could come out of the booth and <laughs> and uh, and I'm and I'm kidding, of course, but uh, but uh, you know, I do think that at least as much as the ball.
1: It's
6: the bat. I hear you. So the, so the equipment, I mean, stands to reason in golf. Everything is a lot, not that it's an easy game, but uh, it's you see these guys hitting 380-yard drives mm-hmm. and things like that. You never used to see stuff like that. So I think all the equipment and all the sports are, are, are better. In baseball, it seems to me to at least be the bats as much as the balls.
1: Tim, I have
3: to ask you, uh, you and Joe Buck called more World Series and all star games more than more of those games Uh-oh. than any tandem in broadcast history, so I have to ask you when you when you are when you have a pair and you're part of a team like that, um how do you make it last so long? i mean it, it, what what's the secret ingredient, man? I use
6: words like tandem <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love Joe. Joe and I were together for for eighteen years, and uh, I I just uh, had a ball working with him. We had some great, great moments. We had a few uh, 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 not so great moments, mm-hmm. but the, the the great moments uh, outweighed the outweighed the, the snafus. It was it was great. I loved. It. I worked with his dad for two years in nineteen ninety for when we were with CBS, mm-hmm. but. Uh, I had the opportunity to work for all four networks. so I really don't know what that means. I think uh, what it probably means is that I went to where the baseball was and I had a ball. Uh, but, um, but those days are past, and uh, I'm, I'm seeking uh, newer and better things.
2: <laughs> okay, Tim McCarver, I've not heard this theory that it's not the balls that are juiced. It's
6: the bats. Everybody talks about the ball, and I, I'm a proponent. I, if that's the word, uh, a proponent of it not being the ball, but it being the bat. The
2: bats are juiced. Okay, all right. See, I mean, look, I I think that with the skyrocketing home run totals, Major League Baseball has had those baseballs wound a little bit tighter a little less drag through the air and allowing those baseballs to shoot through for big home run totals, heightened excitement, et cetera. But to the host point, Jason and John noting that you have this many home runs, it actually waters down the excitement. and A lot of fans feel like it's ho-hum now, and I think baseball should be worried about that, making the home run too mundane, too average, because if everybody's doing it, and teams are just demolishing the old records of hitting home runs. It does take some of the magic out of it. And here is Tim McCarver saying, "It's the juiced bats of all things." I've seen some of those bats, and I said,
6: "Man, I, I think I could come out of the booth and <laughs> and uh, and I'm and I'm kidding, of course."
2: Hey, guys, seeing a lot of baseball right now. Coming up at the end of July, we'll have the trade deadline, but. What do you do with the trade deadline? Because so many teams are still in it. They're still in the race. So what do you do? Do you try to acquire more talent? Well, a lot of teams aren't going to be selling because they think they've got a chance as is, so they're not going to strip it down. Do you tear it down? Or does a team like the San Francisco Giants sign Madison Bumgarner because he's going to be a free agent? Here's ESPN's Jeff Passan on Joe and Dibs, 95.7 of the game
1: in San Francisco. How do you group this thing together and say, uh, move forward in understanding what's which, which the pros and cons to that, to that approach?
7: You know, it's interesting the kind of rebuild that the Giants are in. The Giants have never been an organization that has torn things down to the studs and, uh, you know, tried to rebuild on a five-year plan. Because... I, I don't think San Francisco fans, frankly, would stomach something like that. It's why they were legitimately in on Bryce Harper this offseason. It's why they were in on D.J. LeMahieu this offseason and a number of other free agents. And I, I think that what they want to do is try and do, honestly, what the A's have done really well. And and it's a weird cop, right? Because the A's have never reached the heights that the Giants have. But what the A's have done is, is more or less stay competitive without trying to entirely tear things down. And you see them in the midst of their, their second consecutive really impressive season. At the same time, we've seen with the Cubs in the Astros that Tearing things down to, to the studs can work, and it especially can work if you have a smart executive in place, and I think Farhan's ID certainly qualifies as being that guy. So there are a number of different avenues that they can take right now. I don't think Madison Bumgarner is going to resign during the season. If the Giants do bring him back this offseason, that is a possibility, but the issue is where they are in their life cycle right now and in their rebuild, it's tough to, to come out and say, hey, we're going to sign a pitcher who's in his 30s to a multi-year deal, because when you do that, you're banking on those first few years being the most valuable as the aging curve does what it does. And if you have value in those first few years when your organization may not quite be at the point where it's ready to make a playoff push, then you've really wasted some of that value. At the same time, the, the sentimental value of having Madison Bumgarner in a Giants uniform for the entirety of his career is worth, you know, more than I think people
3: realize. Jeff Passon, MLB insider from ESPN, with Joe Lo and Dibs on ninety-five-seven. The game. It may sound crazy, but I have to ask it: If Bumgarner is moved, do you think? Either of the following two teams could be involved in the discussions to try to swing a deal. Uh, Team A, the Los Angeles Dodgers, whom Zaidi used to work for, or B, the Oakland Athletics, whom Zaidi also used to
1: work for.
7: I... Doubt the Dodgers. I think they've got enough starting pitching depth both at the major league and minor league level where they feel like using resources on a guy like Bumgarner would not be the best way to do it. I think they are a much likelier destination if Will Smith gets moved, and he would be an absolute perfect fit there. The A's, on the other hand, I mean, I would love to see Madison Bumgarner in an A's uniform. I think he fits there so perfectly and the a's are on the hunt for starting pitching right now they've been more in the controllable starting pitching market uh and and you know it's it's tough for a team like oakland to go out and rent a guy who's going to cost a lot in prospects and and madison bumgarner both because of the volume of interest in him from teams around mlb uh, you know, from from the Twins, from the Braves, from the Brewers. Uh, you know, the Yankees are always a possibility there. Because of that interest, uh, you know, the prospect return is probably going to be decent, and the A's don't want to pay that for a rental. They prefer to have a guy who has multiple years of control and can come back with with A.J. Puck and Jesus Lizardo and, and the number of guys that they've got who have pitched well this year uh, and form a pretty solid rotation going into next season.
2: I think you got to tear it down because when you see, as Jeff mentioned, franchises like the Cubs and Astros turn into powerhouses by stripping it down, acquiring assets, and then building up to the farm system, why wouldn't you go that way? I mean, this Giants franchise has won three titles in the last 10 years, 12 years, and now you're talking about a franchise that, that run is over, and now it's really time to reset the clock. And obviously you got to make the right trades, but if it's going to extend your championship window now to you take a few years at the bottom of the division, and then you now extend championship windows a few years after that, you know, and you've done your rebuild in five years or so, man, that to me sounds like the way to go. And maybe you could even speed up the process a little bit, depending on the types of prospects that you get. But, Just being 50-50 and at the trade deadline or right around 500, like where the Giants are right now, doesn't seem to me to be enough to keep all those guys and not get anything in return. Now, finally, there's baseball, and then there's what we play in the backyard, wiffle ball. And in the dog days of summer, some of the hottest weather on record for cities across the Northeast and the Midwest this past weekend, is wiffle ball the best summer sport of all time? Here's Jamie and Stoney, who have now become kind of the signature last segment, last clip of Around the Dial because of the fun topics that they cover on 97.1 The Ticket in Detroit.
8: lucina brought up, you know, the fact that he goes, you know, it all started, you know, playing wiffle ball with my friends and my brother. I said,
9: wiffle ball. Wiffle ball was the greatest. I love the fact that he mentioned that. Yes, exactly. Because when everybody talks about how they got into baseball. Well, he
8: actually mentioned the fact that, you know, he didn't, you know, he, He rode a bike to his first practice when he was eight years old. He got there early and there was nobody there. And he took the bike back home. And his mom said, What are you doing here? He goes, There's nobody in the field. She goes, You get back on that bike and you go because he got there early. And then finally everybody was there. So he mentioned wiffle ball. He mentioned, you know, we didn't have travel. We didn't have travel ball or any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of cool too, in, in, in my view. But wiffle
9: ball is one of the just great
8: games that everybody played. Even if you weren't good at baseball, you could play wiffle ball.
9: I I love wiffle ball. I mean, I to me it is when you talk about stony the greatest yard games of all time. It's number 1, it's, isn't it? It's it's number 1 by a country mile.
8: Now, let me ask you this. <laughs> not to play wiffle ball snob here for you. Uh-oh. There are some I and mean, it's probably it's not even considered a wiffle ball there, sometimes you played with the balls that didn't have the holes in them. And to me, that was like so bogus. That's like Hydrox Oreos, you know, Hydrox cookies.
9: That's stick ball. That's not a wiffle ball. Okay. A wiffle ball, and and it can't be a ball with holes all over it. It has to be oh, right. a ball the with official the holes ball. on the one side. Right, exactly. So you can do all sorts of uh, crazy, th-
8: dazzling now, things. Now, what about the bat? Did it have to be an official wiffle ball bat? Oh, yeah. You, okay,
9: good. Because if you start bringing out the heavy artillery, like the fat bats or the yeah. even the... Like now, they make, you know, MLB has like a plastic bath they sell. But those are, they're thicker. Yeah. They're thicker. And size matters. And so with Wiffle Ball, you have to have... <laughs> 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 just watching everybody put their hand. Yeah. No, you have to have the Wiffle Bat. The okay, yellow Wiffle sure Bat. I to make sure. Yeah. yeah. 100%. W-
8: wiffle Ball was... Like, and you can make up your own rules. And you get, the greatest thing about Wiffle Ball is you can play... Even if you wanted, if you had a big enough yard, you could play, you know, or enough people nine on nine.
9: Oh, no, no. But you could play one-on-one. That's how, that's how wiffle ball was meant to be played, I think. That was great. I think it was meant to be one-on-one. I mean, I played, I played a ton with my buddies, but I played probably more wiffle ball than anything with my brother. And, and the thing about wiffle ball is that you could talk to 10 different guys and they would have 10 different rules that they followed based on the specifications of their house right. or their yard or whatever it was they played in. Like like for our, our house, if you hit it over the hedge, it was a home run. If you hit it through the hedge, it was a ground rule double. You know? Yes. That kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, and, and and we had a um we had a uh, uh, first base um we actually built this little like it looked like a wooden target almost and we had that be the first baseman. So you could throw the ball to first, and if you hit the target, that was an out. Now, some people played ball in hand, meaning if you hit the ball and the guy catches it, or it's a ground ball, if the pitcher gets it, you're out. Right. And you'd say, out safe. And whoever said it first, then, then that would be the rules.
8: Yeah, and you had to get to first base before the person actually got the ball. Right.
9: Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven. I want to hear from people if they have legendary wiffle ball stories or if they are, you know, I mean— my friends and I would play, we'd literally play triple headers. Oh, yes. We would start at 11 o'clock in the morning and we'd go till 6 o'clock at night. We'd take breaks in between games for lunch. And, and we'd announce whatever. the starting
8: lineups and you'd have. Oh, no, we didn't do that. Oh, yeah, we did.
9: Okay. Nice.
2: Oh, the best part about wiffle ball is you get to reenact your favorite hitter's batting stances. So, I mean, you can do that tight crouch, Ricky Henderson. Or you can hold the bat above your head like Julio Franco. Or you can put that bat straight out, elbows locked like Andre Dawson. You can do your favorite batting stances. Then you can also do your favorite pitching windups, the huge leg kicks, the whipping motion, the curveball on it, the dropping out the bottom. Whipple ball is undoubtedly the best summer sport of all time. And there is not a close second, not at least if you're playing in the backyard. That's the best of your sports talk for Monday, July the 26th. We'll see you tomorrow, everyone.
1: Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app.